following Tila Y episode is a throwback interview that I did in the past. This will now be formatted as a podcast episode. All right, so uh, let's uh, start it off right now, man. So, um, growing up in Alhambra slash like LA, were there like ever like any inspirations from there that made you want to pursue more in the music scene? Yeah, man. See, like the interesting thing about growing up in Alhambra is that it is right next to LA, but it's still like its own culture. But LA culture is like so big that like the blast impact of just culture from the middle of LA is just so huge that it just leaks out. You know, I mean, like Compton and all these other you know famous areas of music are literally like thirty minutes away, and you would think that that's a little far to some people, but Man, the impact of the music of Dre, Snoop, N.W.A., Pac, and all these guys, like, it's huge, man. I mean, it's worldwide, you know, so if I'm right next to the radius of it, then obviously it's going to be a huge impact to me. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. True, true. And I guess uh, with um, Alhambra, like, I don't like um, I don't know if you're, like, Filipino or, like, another, like, Asian subset. Like, I don't know if yeah. Alhambra has, like, a high, like, Asian, like, population. Yeah. Or is it... Yeah, um, I am Filipino, actually. That's it. Uh, but the thing with Alhambra is I would say it is a large populace of just a lot of different Asians, Chinese, Vietnamese. But it's like, I don't know, it's like it's still like a melting pot because there are a lot of Hispanics around and there are there are some people who are black, some white people, some, you know, other ethnicities as well. But I would say definitely mostly Asians. Like, but I grew up around a lot of, I did like grow up with kids who were Asian, Mexican, black. So I was able to see everybody and respect everybody. Um, even like got some of the culture from other ethnicities that are more, you know, because me, man, I came from the Philippines, bro. So when I came here, I was like a fish out of water. And I basically had a fat culture shock, and I just had to learn how to float, you know. And I just grabbed onto whatever I could, and some, maybe picked up some terms, maybe picked up some attitudes or some certain lifestyles, different ethnicities, you know. So I'm just like, yeah. Pretty much, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's dope, that's dope. And, you know, just with, like, a lot of, like, rising acts, like, in L.A., like, I, like, I know, like, you might have known of, like, Shoreline Mafia, like, Boogie, Buddy, Blueface, and, like, yeah. out of, like, hip-hop, like, Kuko, uh, what are your thoughts on the music scene and L.A., and do you feel that there should be, like, any improvements on the, for the scene there, or do you feel like it just should remain the same, in a way? Uh-huh. Well... You know, for a while, there was a, a big hiatus in the West where I, the West is known for just prominent West Coast leaders and just the culture, you know, like, you got Pac, like I said earlier, Pac, Dre, NWA, uh, Snoop, you know, these guys were like top dogs in hip hop and whatnot. And then for a while after uh, a little bit of their era was, you know, not going down, but uh, more settling out there was a little bit of a hiatus in the culture where there was nobody to pick up that mantle in the West. And I felt like, you know, game came back and just put the West back on the map. And then from there, there was a revival of hip hop culture. You know, Kendrick came out, uh, Schoolboy Q, even just everybody in TV and the, and the artists as you mentioned, you know, so I felt like the West is on a good track. I mean, as far as for me though, I do want to be able to get that mantle and get that respect of the next 
leader in the West Coast. And I know it's a little difficult because I'm not that, I'm not from, you know, the hood or the projects or whatnot, but I have a certain love and respect for this culture that I believe that if I were to ever to get the mantle or slash torch in this game, I felt like I would do, I would treat it with the enormous amount of respect because I know the history of this game. You know, I'm a fucking student and I've been studying this shit and, uh, all those artists you mentioned, you know, I have love for anybody trying to pursue this shit. Like, because this shit ain't easy, man. Like, this shit is a fucking war, and everybody that's going after what they need to, regardless of how their music sounds, as long as they're going after it, I feel like, you know, that's where they should be respected. True, true. Yeah, because I know, like, with LA, like, like the West Coast music scene actually happens to be, like, sort of, like, one of my favorite, like, music scenes. So, yeah. just, like, realizing from the way that they never, like, switched up the flow, like, to keeping, like, that lyricism, like, alive, just yeah. with that stellar, like, wordplay, word for word, bar for bar, like, I think the West Coast scene happens to be, like, more original than, like, other, like, parts. Because I know, but, like, I feel like with one problem with the West Coast is like maybe with media coverage i do feel like that it's not as exposed or it's not as recognized as other parts from now than it was before because now you have atlanta you have new york now like yeah. miami texas and like those are like more like the south's like pretty much more rising where as like the west it was rising like when dre snoop the game and like e40 were like all popping so yeah yeah man i feel like now is a beautiful time in music where everybody's finding their sound and becoming a prominent name in the culture like those cities that you mentioned man they all make great music we all make great music and I feel like hip-hop is just one big family. We could all learn from each other, you know? Like, if it wasn't for the East starting hip-hop in general, then the West wouldn't have learned. And if the West wouldn't have learned, then the South wouldn't have learned, you know? So it's just a domino effect. And I feel like Atlanta and all the new all the new cities on the rise right now, I feel like they're leading us into the unknown, which is great, you know? Like, we're taking turns, charging into the dark. And, uh, you know, I, I, love all these, I love all these rappers and shit. It's just... I just hope that we understand how powerful hip-hop is. Because hip-hop, I feel like, is, if not the most powerful aspect of culture, especially because, aside from sports or, or whatever, you know, we're a very powerful uh, aspect of culture. and We need to realize that responsibility. And I feel like with Dre, Snoop, and them, I feel like they realize that responsibility after learning from, like, Rock Kim, Big Daddy Kane, and the ones that came before them who showed them the ropes, you know, and, they sh- the the West just took it to another level for hip hop, and uh, yeah, we are going up again. But I feel like we need to combine together as like a conglomerate and find a way to just work together and make better decisions for us and for everybody around us. No doubt, no doubt. Um, I know that you said that you grew up like in the Philippines, and then I think you moved to LA. So I think growing up at the time, what was like your musical history and background like, and what inspired you to become a rapper and musician? Yeah, man. Uh, well, I grew up in the Philippines, and then I moved to America when I was like three or five, and then I went back to the Philippines. Uh, but I was always learning English, like watching. English TV shows, just listening to songs. But um, I finally stayed here when I was eight years old or nine years old. And um, like I said, I was in a culture shock when I first got here. So I'd have no clue of my identity. Even at times, I was ashamed of my identity being this Asian kid 
looking different from everybody else that I knew and like not having anybody to relate with. And I felt like hip hop was the first thing that I connected with and that made me feel like confident and gave me that strength to be who I am. Almost like, I don't want to say it because it might be blasphemous, but in a way, like, it, I treated it like a religion in a way, you know? I was very committed to hip hop and very, and I was just in love with it. Uh, the early influences was uh, definitely everybody on the West Coast for sure. You know, like, the first couple first people I listened to was probably like, um, I think Dre and Snoop were the first artists that I've ever listened to from here. And then uh, added Black Eyed Peas to. And then Eminem, of course, which is probably the biggest, like, uh, I would say biggest influence to my style. But of course, I, I learned more of new artists. Um, as far as musical background, um, my mom is a singer. Uh, she was a singer too, so she still sings from time to time. Um, me, I played the violin, the cello, and the piano, but I never finished learning any of those. So I just like got to like, 25% of learning and then I stop. But uh, yeah, so I, I try to take from uh, every genre of music as far as like influence, whether it's like country, uh, R&B, pop, whatever other genres there are. I always try to just listen to the art of everything. Because at the end of the day, the shit is art. You know, We're artists. What we create is, is art. And uh, a lot, some people don't really understand that I could listen to hip hop hella, but I could also love like rock and roll to like a certain level, you know, and respect these artists. Bro, like I can watch Marilyn Manson videos because it's just like, I don't know, like, but that's just, just dope to me, you know, and uh, yeah, man. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, with learning the violin, cello, and like the piano as well, um, it also teaches you about like you know music uh, like composition and also yes. with notes so like that's like also something that people would actually take in that could actually perfect in their craft like later on throughout the use as well and like that's a dope point to like hear out you know no yeah man i mean uh, even though it's been years and it's been some time since i've studied it it was it's still like in my subconscious from time to time and whenever i like whenever i see uh, or hear something I would realize what it is as far as like the composition of it without even really trying it. It just pops up like that because of all the training that I've had throughout the years. Yeah, man, it's dope. True, true. And, you know, like when I was like listening to, I think two of your tracks on uh, Spotify, Blessed yeah. and like 5150, I know most of your music's mainly on like SoundCloud. So I would definitely would have to check those out uh, like later on. But yeah. speaking about those two tracks in general, like tell me about the creative process for those tracks and what inspired you to make them. Well, fifty one fifty is probably I think I wrote that when I was like seventeen, and I didn't even release it till I was like nineteen. Um, it was just to me that was just I was just so frustrated. And I was still in my stage of teenage rebellions where I was like, "This is real hip hop," blah blah blah. You know, but as I grew older, of course, I learned to appreciate the different aspects of hip hop. But at that time, at that point in time, I was just, you know, I'm, I want to write the hardest shit and the most fucking bars and the shit that I could fit in, just some hard ass shit that I would. Because I listen to a lot of Big L and like a lot of Nas and a lot of like, you know, like J, like Reasonable Doubt J. And these guys are just fucking 
going at your throats, you know, like just with bars, bars, bars. And he's like, oh shit. So I just wanted to create something like that that would, that would like sound great, you know. Um, a lot of people still don't understand it to this day. Like when I share with people, they're like, yeah, it's cool. I'm like, bro, you don't understand how dope this shit is. Like, if if you were to show this to a fucking person that knows their shit about hip hop, they'll tell you how dope this shit is, you know. And I felt like this shit's so a little bit underrated, but. You know, it's cool. I mean, it was a learning lesson. Um, as far as Blessed, that was actually, like, the first trap song I've ever made. And, like, that again, it was just another thing where I got tired of people saying, yo, you need to make trap songs. You need to stop rapping in the 90s style. Because nobody really listens to that style. I was like, I got pissed. I was like, bro, this shit's so easy. Like, that, that trap shit is so easy to make. Well, now, as I go further, I'm realizing it's a little difficult. But at the time, I was like, this shit's fucking easy to make, you know, like. I can do this shit in my sleep. And, again, this is all in retrospect. I don't want to, you know, I've had growth since these thoughts. But, um, yeah, I, I was just like, I need, to, I need to just make this track just to prove to motherfuckers to show that I can do this easy shit, you know. And I wrote that shit after I got the beat from uh, a homie named 420 Shinobi. Shout out to him. You know, we developed a good friendship from that track because of, you know, I haven't spoken to him in a while, but I will always be blessed and grateful for that beat. Um, and, you know, just I just fucking wrap my ass off on it. And uh, I, it is one of my favorite songs nowadays. Even my friends, when they first heard it, they were like, yo, I can't believe you rap like that. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. And, yeah, I guess a lot of my shit comes from <laughs> a lot of my best stuff, quote unquote, comes from me being feeling like I got a chip on my shoulder, which I need to get rid of. But, hey, man, if it works, it works, you know. Yeah. And I think, like, as you said, you know, with making, like, trap music, like, you thought it was, like, pretty easy, but, like, when you realize it, like, now it's way difficult than it looks. I know, like, just to, like, for me to add in, I think it's more in terms of, like, production and, like, mixing, too, because I know in yeah, some cases, yeah. too, trying to mix auto-tune, trying to mix all the other like flows and all the other like productions within it like it takes time like breath by breath take by take as well so i think that's also like one point like to realize too because with music like it changes over time depending on the era the style yeah. like what's hot what's not hot and all that type of stuff too yeah no exactly um that, that's exactly why i found it to be a little more difficult it's more of a i would i want to say like a composition in contrast to the 90s style, which you just put a beat and you just fucking rap over it and you're good. You don't need a lot of shit. You just need to be dope. Um, but that's where trap... I actually do respect trap in that manner because now you could have some dope shit, but if you can't get the party jumping with your shit, then that's just whack, you know? Like, but this is why I think trap is still in the foundations of the original hip-hop uh, ideals because the original hip-hop, man, they just get on the mic at a party and you just got to rock the party, you know? And if you rock the party and you're the life of the party, then that means you're dope as fuck. And that's why I feel like Future, Migos, Young Thug, and all these guys I look up to, I feel like people don't understand that aspect of hip-hop where if you can control the vibe of the party or just the vibe and the energy of the track, then it means... Because if you put on any Future song, you just start bobbing your head. And that's so difficult to do, like, to get a person to do that. It's so difficult. So... For them to master that crap, it's just—it's amazing, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, actually, from like for the next question, you know, um, 
I actually first heard of you like when you went on from Rhythm like Rhythm and Flow on Netflix. Yeah. And like one of the most like memorable like uh memorable like scenes from there was you coming through and <laughs> Cardi B like comparing you to like a Best Buy worker <laughs> yeah. which is like actually like pretty funny in a way too and like since the show was released and you managed to take uh, part in it what made you decide on wanting to take part in the audition process like what was like the experience like when you auditioned and stepped foot to the LA stage where not only you auditioned for Cardi B but for Chance the Rapper and T.I. as well well it, it's a you know it was a blessing first and foremost to be able to meet everybody that auditioned um you know, they said out of 90,000 contestants, we were chosen. To only 30 people were chosen. And I think only like 20 or 15 performed in front of the judges. And I was one of them. You know, and I felt grateful for that. I felt like I was one of the dopest MCs in L.A. So that gave me a huge amount of confidence. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I stepped on that stage, I just fucking wish they really showed my audition. Like, straight up, I wish they showed my audition because... What they showed on Netflix was, I feel like, more of a joking or, like, gag reel instead of something real, which is what I wanted to go for. Um, you know, after what Cardi B said, she actually said, you know, when you first came out, I thought you worked at Best Buy. Everybody laughs, cute the last, right? But right after that, she's like, you know, but after you rap, you really, you really impressed me and you really made me happy and I'm so proud of you and I, and I love you. Like for I love you for what you said and stuff like that, you know. And uh, even Ti was like, you know, when you first or when you first came out with all that energy, I thought you weren't gonna do well because not a lot of rappers can come out with that kind of energy and start rapping really well, you know. But I feel like you pulled it off, and the beat that you chose is a very very difficult beat to rap on. And um, and you know, I'm happy as fuck when they're saying this shit. And then. Uh, Chance was like, you know, you remind me of like an Asian Eminem. I, I saw you mess up a little bit, like lost air in a couple of spots, but you know, you're really, you really do remind me of like an Asian Eminem. And I was like, oh shit, you know, like Eminem's the one. So I felt happy, you know. And then Snoop was also there as the guest judge. And when it got to Snoop, he was saying how I need to be, I need to take things more seriously, you know, as far as, as far as just opportunities come like when i first came out i can't be coming out i can't be coming out looking like that because it diminishes what i'm trying to go for yes the bars were real as fuck yes what i was saying was real as fuck but when i come out with that energy and try to make myself look like a fool a lot of people are not going to respect that and i felt and i understood that you know he's, he's my og you know he's my og but after he said that i felt like the other judges kind of agreed with them because that's when they didn't want to let me on the show like let me into the next round and you know obviously I was hurt like obviously I was hurt but I kind of took it to the chin because I felt like I understood I understood what Snoop said and this is my test right now is my test to really take this shit seriously like do I really want this shit because it, you know do I want to squander another opportunity like that and you know, a lot of people could be mad at him, and a lot of people could hate him for that, but he's my OG, you know, and we listen to our OGs on the West Coast, and he was saying, he's basically saying, all right, do this shit again and do it better. He didn't say, you know, yeah, exactly, so, you know, and I just respect him for that, and I love him for that, and I hope to meet him again one day, and 
hopefully be able to speak to him about this situation that's helping me grow. But man, when it first happened, bro, I was just so broken. Like, it hurt, you know, like I felt like, fuck, this was the biggest opportunity I've ever gotten in my life. And I fucked it up. You know, I was mad. I was sad. I was happy. I was, it was just a bomb of emotions that I had to go through. But yeah. I know what you mean. And I know like, even with it being like televised too, like, I, although like you didn't make it to like the rounds where like the certain rounds where people were actually working with all these other people and like performing on like big stages with like big artists, you at least managed to get yourself televised for a bit too. So like even if people like see you on the street, they'll recognize you from the TV show like maybe yeah. within the first five to ten like seconds. But like even like after that televised audition. What was the impact like like for you like once it was like finally shown on like Netflix and if you like ever received any recognition or criticism yeah. or other like um, impacts from other people from that show? Well, it was a it was a mixture of different things, you know. I mean, I only had like thirteen seconds. I counted that shit. I was like, how many seconds am I on? Thirteen seconds. I was on TV, but you know, I got a bunch of new follow- followers on Instagram. I had a bunch of people message me telling me good shit. I had homies from like high school tell me good shit and like of course my best friends are like yo you fucking did that shit boy you're on that shit now um you know but there was also the negative aspects of it i've had people make fun of me for coming out looking like that because they didn't see the other side of it you know and um i had um it kind of sucked because now i just always reflect on it and think about my defeat but it's a two-sided coin because i need to focus more on how much I've grown since then as an artist, you know, and how much my perspective on this game has changed since then, you know, because I definitely felt like I got a mental breakdown slash mental awakening uh, as far as how much I really love this shit. Because when Snoop said that, it was more like, I had to ask myself, I'm like, how do you feel about this game? Like, how, how much do you love this shit? You know, like, you've been rapping since you were like nine, eight years old, and are you really for real about this shit or are you just fucking around as the waves pass by? And I'm still in the process of answering that question, but I'm going towards like, I'm serious about this shit and I know I'm serious about this shit. And also I've had, I had ex-girlfriends text me. They're like, Oh my God, congrats on being on the show. Like, bitch, get the fuck off my messages. You know, no one wants to fucking talk to your ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that shit was funny. Uh, you know, and I also got to network with some of the artists there. And I got to see, like, the most important part of that show for me, I got to see what the playing field was like. So when I walked into that, like, I would say green room, quote, unquote, I got to see the best rappers in my city. You know, I got to talk to the best rappers in my city and ask myself, yo, do I belong here? And I, the first thing I thought, I was like, yo, I belong here. You know, yeah. like, I might not be as confident or as have as much accolades as some of these people but i know that i can stand toe to toe against any of these guys as my peers and be as great as any one of these guys yeah they inspire me man as long as i brush up on some things and continue practicing certain skills it's gonna make me better and i mean like on that la stage too you had like people like um d smoke who actually, yeah. like, won the show. Um, Inglewood, like, Ivy, uh, Troy Man, and I think uh, this other guy that was, like, known for, like, wearing, like, the suits and all that. So, oh, like, yeah. you managed to at least, like, 
network and like meet those people like even during like that audition process so that must have been like a, a great feeling like seeing like them like get the chances to be at a better position than they should you know so yeah oh absolutely man like i when i saw them like when i saw d smoke win i was like damn i was i told myself i was like you're in the room with these guys for a reason you're on the show auditioning for a reason like you ain't no clown like they got you here for a reason with these guys. And D Smoke went. D Smoke went. I think. I think he was the artist that went up before me. So he auditioned right before I did. And so when I see that now, I'm like, damn, the guy that won the show, I was right before him. Meaning, I'm. I'm not saying I'm on his level, you know, but I'm certainly around that area. If I'm auditioning for the same shit he's auditioning for, you know. Yeah. yeah. No doubt, no doubt. And I know, like, LA has its highs right now. Uh, congrats on uh, the Dodgers and, like, the Lakers, like, winning, you know? Like, it's, like, a big day. It's, like, a big day for, like, LA, like, right now. Like, I imagine, like, if there's going to be a parade coming soon. Um, but, yeah, like, it's been a while. Like, I think with the Dodgers, it's been their first championship since, like, the 19... 40s or 50s or something like that so yeah yeah but like i know like with la it experienced like two losses like one like at the beginning and like one just almost like almost like a year and a half from now like with the deaths of like nipsey hustle and kobe bryant so did those like deaths like like those deaths like impact you in a big way due to you being from like cali and did you ever like remnants on any moments where both of these like men played a role for you in your life yeah man i mean i'm not gonna say i knew nipsey as far as like every song on his discography and as far as like every track but as a man i started to see how much he was really trying to change the world and just be a better person for himself and be a better person for everybody not just in music you know and uh, i remember when nipsey first came out on the freshman cover and i was like hey that guy kind of looks like snoop you know like that's kind of cool and um when i first heard his track his uh forgot it was a remix um off gay rock's track um, I forgot the name of it, but it was one of his first tracks on Bullets Got No Name. But I was like, damn, Nipsey's really pretty fucking dope, you know? But I didn't keep up with his career like that until after his death. Uh, and then I, after his death, I really then started paying attention to his interviews and his, uh, his songs. And man, like when he speaks, it's like you just listen. And it's... It's a beautiful thing because I want to be able to do that too. But I, you know, I, I fell victim to one of the people who didn't listen to a per- listen to him a lot until he passed away. But now, since then, I've just listened to it, listened to it a lot. Just try to learn from him, and as far as the lessons that he was trying to teach. And yeah, man. Uh, but probably Kobe dying was probably the biggest impact for me as far as you know as far as deaths and man that shit hurt bro like because i grew up watching kobe in la you know in 2010 when he won that chip man i remember running home from my eighth grade graduation just to try to watch game seven of the lakers playing the celtics and i remember them winning and i was like fuck 
this is this feels so amazing, you know. And just watching Kobe tear his Achilles and go through all the Dwight drama and all that shit just you know, it felt like somebody I knew. You know, it yeah. felt like somebody like a big brother. Like yeah. Nip, Nipsey and Kobe felt like big brothers that I listened to and I, uh, you know, I listened to it. Yeah. Try to learn from. Okay. And uh, but when Kobe died, man, that shit, that shit tore my heart, bro. Like. Yeah. I, I think, would say that was yeah. the worst part of 2020. Kobe yeah. dying was probably the worst part of 2020. And um, his Mamba mentality was always something that I tried to incorporate in my life and in my music to just go after it. Just fucking be the best that you can be. And that's just something that I always just tried to you know, instill within myself. I even got Kobe's Mamba mentality tatted on me. You know? Oh, nice. That looks... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how much Kobe means to me, and losing those two guys, it feels like a loss for our for our society because they were trying to teach us to be better human beings and better with the way we learn and process the world and the way we move forward in the world. And even like when Black Panther died, man, that shit fucking hurt a lot too. Yeah. It just feels like because I feel like these weren't they weren't even these guys aren't people anymore. They become symbols of something better themselves like yeah. and to just lose those symbols before our eyes just just hurts yeah. you know but yeah. their memories are going to live on forever and their ideas are going to live on forever yeah. and uh yeah man rest in peace and paradise to them yeah. love those guys yeah, yeah i mean with kobe like um i've started like following like his career like earlier on like around like maybe the early like 2010s like for a bit too and then i like heard his stuff like here and there like watching you know his uh, game of jordan to seeing him seeing him play like in the early like 2000s to seeing him play like now and like his um i think at his worst points like between 2014 to 2016 when he wasn't as active as much as he as he fought and like his last game I think against uh, Toronto where he scored, I think either it was in Toronto like a while back or like his other last game, I think he scored like, I think what, 63 points. Like that was like a uh, proper blessing in like his last game uh, in 2016. Like it was also like one of his uh, best moments. And like after that time, you know, like I just like bought like a jersey from there and just yeah. reminisce on those moments, you know. And I think uh, with Kobe, he was a symbol to LA as much as to Nipsey Hussle, Tupac, yes. and everyone else. And um, the way like they represent for the people, they represent like for the common man, for how we should progress like at a higher rate than we should to never give up on like those dreams and everything like that, and to always like also settle down like when things start to go down for a bit too like it's something to also like look into as well you know so yeah yeah man i mean those guys you know the thing i admire about those guys is i feel like they figured out life in their way and their perspective and that's just something i always feel like i want in my life is to be able to figure out my figure out life for me and just go after it yeah and this going down this path of hip-hop you know, I, I feel like it's right, but at the end of the day, no one can really answer that until it all ends, which is scary at times, you know? So that's why I, I admire those guys, because they realize they realize their life at such a young age, and they just started going for it without no doubts, without anxieties. That's probably why I, I, 
I admire them so much, especially Nipsey, you know? Like, a lot of Nipsey's music is just him being like, yo, like, I know who the fuck I am, and I know what the fuck I'm trying to go for, and, you know, not to quote him, you know, but that's what I got from his music is just that I know what I want to do in my life and for the people around me, and I'm just going to go for it. And it's something so simple, but it's something so difficult to do in life, because I can say, I'm just going to go for it, but then... At the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, um, how am I going to pay for my house? How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to, you know, what? Yeah, so. No doubt. That's why it's so admirable. Those guys, I love those guys. Yeah, that's true. Um, I know that you said, like, earlier on, like, that you're influenced mainly by West Coast music. But, like, as of a current, like, artist today, like, just from you today, from you before, what artists or genres were you mainly like influenced by, like either like as of right now or as of before, besides the West Coast scene? And in the future, like once you start to progress, like which artists yeah. would you like to like work with someday? Well, for me, honestly, to simplify it, I feel like I got influenced by the West Coast music, yes, but more so as an attitude. I I got influenced on the West Coast attitude of just we're the fucking West and we make good music and we're the fucking West. That's the best way to explain it. But as far as style and rapping and my my cadence and just the way I attack around, it's more like I want to say the East Coast. I rap like more uh, bar for bar, you know, sixteens, just Wu Tang, you know. Uh, like I said, Reasonable Doubt, Jay-Z, Big Pun, you know, all the all the guys from the East that I looked up to. Biggie, Biggie too, you know, like, I feel like Biggie was definitely a huge part of learning how to just straight delivery, be nice with it, be clean with it. And, um, but as of right now, you know, I'm still growing as an artist, you know, as far as just like swag and just, you know, just making dope shit, I probably like look up to like Future, Young Thug. Amigos, uh, a lot of a lot of these artists, but those three mostly are the ones that I could name off the top of my head. Um, as far as creativity, I really I hope to one day be as creative as Kanye or like Trav and just go after like what the fuck is in their head, like because they'll come up with some shit in their head and they're like, all right, I'm gonna make that shit, and then they make it happen. And I want to be able to have that kind of resume as them, you know, not as far as their music. As far as their, um, as the shit they do, like, Trav is killing it right now. He's coming out with Jordan's shoes, fucking McDonald's deal. He just signed to do a PlayStation, you know. That's the kind of shit I want to be on to in the future. Um, but yeah, man, like, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. And uh, I think just to end off uh, the interview with this last question, uh, what are your plans for this year in terms of like any music or any other creative projects and so forth? Uh, and so forth. I know like with um, COVID, it might change here and there, but like there's still like the last two months left. And um, yeah. e- and like, do you have like any other like final words you would like to say for any creative or any person like pursuing their dreams? Um. Okay. Well. Towards, as the year ends, I feel like this year was definitely not just a break check for me, but a break check for everybody around the world because of COVID, you know, it sucks. It put a lot of our lives on pause and I would even say it dramatically changed a lot of our lives because now the world's never going to be the same for anybody. So 
I had to adapt to that, whatever my plans were. But towards the end of the year, uh, I wanted to just finish building the confidence and identity of who I am and how I uh, make people perceive me. And as far as music, I want to be more better in my skill and better as far as just like just pure rapping and just creativity. But honestly, a lot of it is just confidence and uh, work ethic. That's really what I want to. I want to be a harder worker, more consistent about the shit that I do. And I want to be, I want to make the dopest shit, you know. Hopefully next year things ease up a little bit. But I'm working on my mixtape right now, which is something I've spent a couple months on it already. And this is the first time where I've spent time on a, on a mixtape or just a project where I'm dissecting each track and trying to see how can I make each thing better on it, whether it's lyrics or beats. And I'm really excited for this, and I hope that when it comes out that everybody can see the dedication I put into it and the, the love that I put into it. And um, and if I had a message for any other artists, is to just it really starts with just believing in yourself. Like as cliche as that shit, man, just you gotta be your biggest fucking fan. Even if sometimes the shit you tell yourself is irrational, if you need it, because this shit. This journey and this game is so grimy and so fucking difficult. And the amount of people that are going to come to you and tell you, yo, you fucking suck. Yo, you can't do this shit. The amount of people that are going to tell you, yo, you're the best at this shit. You're the fucking, you're good. You can make it. You're going to get so much of that shit that at the end of the day, the only opinion that matters is yours and what you want. And it's so cliche, but I really, that's what it really boils down to is that really 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 ask yourself like what the fuck do you want to do what do you want to do and how do you want to do it and just step away from the people you want to step away from and just go towards the people you need to be around and that's or at least that's what i'm learning personally you know and also just to never lose the passion and love that you have for your for your craft and the shit that you do because this game is fucking, like I said, this game is grimy, bro. Like, they're going to try to rob you of your resources and, for lack of a better word, just, just try to rape you out of the, out of your love and passion, you know, for what you for what you got. And you need to have a childlike love for what you do. You know, like, you know when we were kids, man, like, Let's say we got the newest action figure, right? And we fucking love that action figure. And we would never, like, no, you can't freaking play with my action figure. This shit's mine. You need to have that kind of love for the shit you do as you grow older because that's, you know, as you grow older, the world is going to force you to grow up mentally and tell you to, you know, get a career, get a fucking job, and get, you know, pay the bills and shit, you know? And I found myself a victim of that because now there's moments where, I ask myself, like, damn, I don't love this shit as much as I used to. And I put that in check and I try to regain that love again, you know. But So if you have a tremendous amount of love for what you do right now, remember to hold on to it for dear life. Because there are going to be people that try to rip that shit away from you every second of the day, especially as yeah. you keep going up. You know, yeah. people are going to try to tell you, yo, you should rap like this. Yo, you should do this, you know. But at the end of the day, you decide. You really decide. And yeah.